Um, welcome to planning board meeting, July 25th, um, 2022. That's called a meeting to order. Before we move on to uh, Black Salute, I would like to welcome and introduce board member Diana Ariza. Um, board member Ariza, would you like to make a brief statement? Thank you. I'm honored to be here and I'm grateful for the nomination and I'm looking forward to working together. I have lived in Alameda for about 16 years and I work as an architect um, designing schools with students. Recording in progress. And justice for all. Thank you. Um, Alan, would you mind calling roll call? Sure. Um, just for the record, we have three absences, excused absences tonight. Um, President Sahaba, Board Member Teague, and Board Member Cisneros. Um, I will call on Board Member Ariza. Yes, present. Uh, Board Member Curtis. Here. Board Member Hong. Here. And Vice Chair Rees. Here. And we have four present. We have a quorum. Let's move on to agenda item number four. Any agenda changes and discussion? Uh, yes. So uh, since we do not have a full board present tonight, um, we will continue uh, item 7B board elections. Thank you. Otherwise, no other changes. Thank you very much. Um, let's move on to item number five, oral communications. Anyone may address the board on a topic not on the agenda under this item by submitting a speaker information slip subject to the three minute time limit. Do we have any um, anybody that with their hands raised? No one is raising their hands at this time. Thank you. Okay, seeing none, moving on to item number six, consent calendar. Um, we don't have any item under that. Now move on to uh, agenda item number seven, regular agenda 7A. Um, Alan, do you have a presentation? Uh, yes, uh, Vice Chair Ruiz, I do. Um, let me just first of all announce um, Andrew Thomas is has been the project planner in leading this effort. He unfortunately cannot make it tonight, so I will be filling in for him. Um, joining me tonight, um, is Stephanie Hill from Alameda Point Partners, as well as Jessica Murphy from Cypress Equity Investments. And may the clerk's office um, promote the two if you see them. Oh, there they are. Okay. Um, so let's see, I have a um, set of slides. May I share screen? It is enabled. Okay, thank you. Okay, so good evening, um, Chair and members of the Planning Board. I'm Alan Tai, City Planner, again, filling in for Andrew Thomas. Um, we've been talking about Site A for a number of years now. Um, going back to 2015, the city approved a development plan and a development agreement for um, 800 units um, at Site A. And the key about the Site A project is that um, it is new development into the Fort Alameda Naval Air Station. 
Um, and it, there are several highlights from that plan. Number one is um, the city does not have the financial resources to replace the dilapidated and obsolete um, infrastructure that's serving the site. So we are heavily reliant on private development to fund the infrastructure. And if you want to think about the development of the future development of Site A as um, following uh, Site A, oh, future development of Site A and Alameda Point, relying on sort of the uh, major infrastructure that's primarily underground. Um, the, the plan is to have Site A begin and then um, as the development expands to uh, the rest of the element point areas, um, that developer infrastructure um, would also be uh, um, servicing the new development um, accordingly. So some of the highlights of the uh, Site A plan included the major infrastructure, underground sewer, water, uh, utilities, et cetera, but there also the waterfront park, uh, as well as a seaplane lagoon term uh, ferry terminal. Um, also, in addition to that is um, affordable housing, there's inclusionary housing at 25% of the total units, um, which is uh, higher than the 15% um, that's uh, currently in the citywide ordinance. Just a quick overview of the amendments that we are proposing tonight. Um, one, in support of the housing element update, um, we've talked to the planning board and members of the public about allowing up to uh, 1,400 units of uh, city land at Alameda Point. So with the proposed development plan amendment tonight, staff is proposing to increase the amount of uh, housing units at site A. And so the uh, proposed increase would be 416 market rate units and about 194 affordable units um, toward, that would go towards the, the arena. Um, to provide the land that's available uh, to build these units, um, there will be a decrease in the commercial um, square footage. So for example, block 10, in the Site A area was always envisioned as uh, a space for sort of a uh, out 60,000 square feet of outdoor retail. It would sort of be like the retail uh, center of the Site A. That, because of the decline of the retail market, um, we, we, see, we see an opportunity to um, uh, convert the site for residential. Um, but the proposed development plan would also require ground floor commercial as um, the, the city has already approved, just like how the city has approved it for um, block 11. And really this is to ensure that there's continued financial viability for the project. Um, you know, this, in this uh, economic climate and the rise of construction costs, you know, we, uh, the additional housing and, and also uh, the market rate housing would be needed to um, fund the continued um, construction of infrastructure. And you'll see in later slides when we show the um, site plans that uh, the, the proposed increase in housing count is necessary to fund infrastructure that would connect the north side of site A to basically support the West Midway project, um, and which is located directly to the north of site A. It also allows the continuation of phase two of the waterfront park um, and basically overall keep the momentum of 
the redevelopment at Alameda Point. Um, I think with that, uh, Stephanie or Jessica, do you want to pick up from here? Thank you, Mr. Tai. On behalf of Alameda Partners, my name is Stephanie Hill, and I'm joined by Jessica Murphy, um, who is with Cypress Equity Investments, a, a partner within Alameda Point Partners. What we have here is our overall development plan, which includes phases one, two, and three. This is substantially the same as what was presented back in February or earlier this year when we started discussing the revised development plan for Site A. We've spent the past several months working very closely with city staff as well as council members and commissions to really work through some of the finer details within this development plan. One of the things that we have focused on with Block 10, given that it has converted from this urban park commercial use, is to really focus on pedestrian, bicycle, and view corridors so that we still have that really feel of it, a smaller grain development and open space. Uh, next slide, please. This is an aerial of what has been developed to date as part of phase one. And it's generally West Atlantic and Main Street looking west towards Seaplane Lagoon. To date, we have completed 454 residential development units. And that crosses a span of for sale opportunities, affordable housing, as well as rental. And we'll have an additional 220 units, which will start under construction uh, later this summer. In addition to the residential development, you can see that there are two parks which have been completed, the neighborhood park, which is just over an acre spanning three different city blocks. And then we also have our waterfront park, which is just over two and a half acres, which opened earlier this, uh, this spring. Next slide, please. Seaplane Lagoon Ferry Terminal was part of our phase one development. It commenced service in July of 2021 and offers weekday service in the morning and afternoon to the San Francisco Ferry Terminal. Next slide, please. The Waterfront Park, as I mentioned, opened earlier this spring and has quickly become a key destination for residents and visitors to the base. This photo as well as the next are from the grand opening for the Waterfront Park in which we partnered with Rhythmics to have a really great dance festival. We have, as Mr. Tai mentioned, a 25% on-site affordability requirement our first phase included two standalone affordable developments developed by Eden Housing. Corsair Flats is 60 units of senior housing with units set aside for veterans and formerly homeless. This was actually the first residential development to open at Site A. The second is the Starling, which has 70 units of affordable homes for families, again with a set aside for formerly homeless families. Leeward and Crest were developed by Trumark Homes. There are 124 for sale townhomes. And we have Aero Apartments, which was developed by Cypress Equity Investments, which is 200 market rate apartment rental units. As we look to the development plan phasing, 
we have noted within the staff report that there's really two phases. The first being phase 1B. And the way to think about these blocks are blocks that already have infrastructure in place. So these are immediate opportunities to do the design review and, and get residential units online as soon as possible. Within block 10, as we noted, there's two different developments. The development along West Atlantic will have a commercial component at the ground floor and will include 90 affordable homes. And then uh, behind the affordable, we'll have about 88 units of market rate uh, for sale or rental product. And then we have an additional 20 units, which are just south on West Atlantic, which is in block 1A. Phase two in, is highlighted in green and includes approximately 400 residential units. Approximately 300 of them are market rate and then 100 are affordable. In addition, this phase two development, we have a set aside for a community oriented use, which is adjacent to the waterfront park. We've had discussions about this perhaps being a performing arts center. In addition, we have a continuation of the waterfront park to uh, include the second phase, which is just about three and a half acres, which as Mr. Ty mentioned, will include a kayak launch. And ultimately this will also include really critical infrastructure which will support not only our development, but the West Midway development just north of our site, which is contemplated for just about 800 units of the city's housing element and RENA requirement. And so this is just highlighting again, phase 1B in isolation. So all of the developments really from Main Street approaching block 10 have been completed to date as part of our phase one development. And then the development just to the left, um, that's 220 units of rent, which, which will be started this summer. So this block 10 is really the, the key development parcel, which remains as part of phase one, um, which again, we see as an immediate opportunity to, to develop housing on. And then this highlights phase two, um, as mentioned, there's approximately 400 residential units with a mix of market rate and affordable, as well as the community facility and the phase two waterfront park. So I can jump back in here. So um, with that, the staff recommendation for the planning board is that you approve the resolution that would um, approve the development plan amendment. And then uh, accompanying the development plan amendment is a uh, first amendment to the 2015 development agreement. And with that, we asked the planning board to approve a resolution recommending that the city council approve the development agreement first amendment. Um, and with that, there is um, a clarification that staff would like to make into the record, and that is to, um, uh, when this goes back to the city council, we want um, staff would like to clarify in the development agreement that the uh, development agreement would lock in or memorialize the development regulations um, applying to planning and zoning that are in place uh, roughly in 2022 or at the time that the council approves the development agreement and not lock it in back at the original 2015 day. And then we will, uh, staff will also provide an exhibit um, attached to that 
development agreement when we go to the city council. And we would like to, you to um, include that uh, in a motion if you choose to um, approve the staff recommendation. And I think that's it for the staff uh, report. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, Stephanie. Oh, I believe you're mute. Thank Alan and um, Stephanie for your presentation. And um, now let's open up for four questions. And this is questions only, and we can, um, we'll have another time for comments. Um, Board Member Curtis, I believe your hand was up first. Thank you. Um, I, I have one question with tying this to the wed the West Mid the West Midway reshape. Um, that that's the acreage just just north of, of phase two. That's and correct. That's the one that's depending on the infrastructure. Two questions. One is there a tentative map um, developed yet for this West Midway project? Is there anything that will tie the the sewer and the water and all of the underground utilities that are being put in? To this parcel just north, so that that's in an alignment and it can be seamless as far as the continuation of, of putting in the the infrastructure. Yeah. So, board member Curtis, um, I don't believe there is a map that ties the two together. In fact, for West Midway, there is a um, there's also a development agreement that provides that uh, it, it provides an option should site A does not provide the infrastructure that there would be a, a mechanism for the city to leverage um, the West Midway um, private developers resources to carry that forward. So there, there, there are mechanisms built into the West Midway, Midway plan that would uh, uh, address infrastructure. That'd be the simplest answer. <laughs> okay, just, just to follow up on that with in, in the, in the background, we're talking about, um, uh, I think it was Catellus or whoever the developer was moving forward to help with that project. Is there anything that can be put into the agreement that will tie that together? Because apparently this, this phase is really important to the success of the West Midway reshape project. And uh, done earlier, you're, you're going to save a lot of money as compared to trying to realign the thing further on down the line because it, it takes away your flexibility. Yeah, so obviously the, idea, I, the ideal scenario would be for uh, Site A to, to build the infrastructure and then the timing for West Midway to sort of pick up on that on the north end. Um, so uh, timing-wise, I think that has been... Uh, the, the timing of the West Midway project is still a few years out, so the that the plan will work. And again, in the event that uh, it doesn't sync up, that there that there are other mechanisms in place. And I think um, Stephanie would want to chime in here. Uh, yeah, thank you, Please. Um, uh, Mr. Curtis. We we have a schedule of performance which is contemplated within our disposition and development agreement with the city staff, which really requires that site A do certain things by certain times or else the city can step in and essentially take over the infrastructure for us. So there is a schedule of performance and then all of the design that is being done 
is is connected and collaborated so that sewers will line up, water lines will line up. So all of that is being done very thoughtfully. We're looking at road alignments to make sure that street networks are continuous between the two developments. That coordination is happening, um, particularly with the planning department as well as with the Department of Public Works. That's perfect. Thank you, Ms. Gill. And, and um, Alan, would you be sure that this particular item is pretty much verbatim in the minutes so that we have um, we've memorialized this conversation? Yes. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. Board Member Hom. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the staff report also, uh, um, Alan. I, uh, maybe for the applicant, I'm, I'm kind of map oriented. So part of it is just kind of clarifying. Let, let me ask three questions that probably can use the site plan to help answer the question. Number one, um, I see in the staff report increase of, you know, six, 600 plus units. Can you kind of use the map and point out where those units will be um, put as far as which blocks? That's question number one, just my clarification. Number two is also um, the commercial. You mentioned that there needs to be a reduction in the amount of commercial. Um, kind of one part A question is how much of a reduction? Where is the reduction of uh, commercial going to be reflected on the site plan? And then my third question is for that open space corridor that runs, um, I guess, well, I would say parallel to the water, I'll put it that way, I'm not sure it was west, east or north, south. Uh, I remember staff had mentioned about um, providing a, a public connection at the end of that open space uh, all the way through, probably through site two. Um, and it looks like from the illustrative site plan, there is a kind of like a pathway, kind of meandering pathway shown. So is that going to be like a public easement rather than a private walkway that the public can use? So those are my three questions. Okay, board member Hobbs, so I'm just bringing up the site plan here. Yeah. Yes, so Mr. Hom, on block 10B, the, mm -hmm. the orange block, yeah. we're looking at 90 residential units. And 10A, so just about that, we're looking at 88 units. So just about a, 170, 180 units we're right. looking at for, for block 10. And then we have on 1A, we're looking at a, approximately 20 units. Okay. So then where are, so maybe it's for staff, where are the other um, units being proposed to be increased? Because I'm understanding there's a net increase of about 1,600 units. Uh, yes. So um, the next phase, uh, go to the next slide, um, would really be up here. Up Not there? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's so, good. So, so that plan, is that site plan reflect the change at the additional year, or is that one of the site plan amendments that will be needed to show those? Because right this now- This is the amendment, this. yes. Okay, and, so it does show it. Right. So is that kind of like that darker, that darker kind of okra color or yellow orange color up the up corner? Correct. Uh, 
the upper left-hand corner. But let me um, just step back and, and share with you sort of the different iterations of the previous development plans. I think that would answer your next question about the where we're getting the land for for this uh, for the residential. So just uh, do you see this? The two 2015 diagrams. Uh, they are a little bit small. I could zoom in. Yeah, we can see them. Yeah, you probably should zoom in a little bit. Yeah, just zoom in a little bit more. So originally, you could see block 10 here was slated for um, uh, commercial use. Uh, block 14 at the time uh, was envisioned for a parking structure to support that use. And then most of the area that we were originally talking about, uh, that we're talking about as phase two um, is, is for commercial non-residential use. In 2017, um, we had approved amendment where you'd see some more residential here, um, but that there were no changes to the block 10 and block 14. And so now the proposal, if we were, if I could stop sharing and switch screens again, So now the plan would be for block 10 to, uh, as, as Stephanie had explained, would be converted residential with 90 units of affordable housing, 1A down here, and then now all of, um, so block 16, 17, 17B and 14 um, are proposed for residential. Remember how you're on mute. Sorry, there was a plane flying overhead. <laughs> I live near the airport. Um, so that's where. Uh, thank you, Alan, for explaining. That's helpful. Where the trying to was trying to visualize where the 600 plus units would be located. What about the commercial? You mentioned uh, there's a need for reduction of the commercial. Where is that occurring, and how much? What is the new square footage of? commercial first versus the previous 60,000. Uh, so for block 10, um, we will be, uh, as Stephanie indicated, there will be a ground floor commercial component. Um, there's also a uh, remaining phase three of the site plan, which is this area down here. If you could see my cursor, do you see my yeah, cursor yeah, moving? I yeah, which is yeah. down here. Now this, Area is still, as I understand it, um, being remediated by the Navy. They're doing environmental cleanup. And so we don't believe that the cleanup would be done in time for uh, the city to count that towards our um, current housing element cycle with the 2031 horizon. But potentially, I mean, this area is close to the uh, ferry terminal. so. Maybe in the next housing element will be targeting site to look at residential development, but um, currently development plan identifies this area as the remainder. Yeah. And Stephanie, please fill in um, the rest if you have more details. Thank you. Yeah, I guess my question was: uh, there's a reduction of of commercial. So, how, what is the new square footage being proposed, and where has the commercial been, uh, you know, reduced in size or eliminated? Mr. Hom, as Mr. Tai indicated, phase two previously, the majority was 
of this commercial use. And so by adding in the additional residential as part of phase two, we are reducing phase two by approximately 175,000 square feet. And that is building 117, as well as a commercial building which had been contemplated for block 17. So we've, we've lost 175,000 square feet of commercial space as part of phase two, but we've put in an additional 300 residential units given that it had been planned for about 126. And then in terms of block 10, it was previously planned for approximately 65,000 square feet of retail, and we've reduced that to 10,000 square feet of retail. So, so when I was hearing staff mentioning the previous 60,000, does that mean is being uh, reduced down to 10,000 or? I... Yes, that's correct on block 10. On block 10, okay, okay. Uh, and then my third question was, and this is carrying forward, I remember a comment that staff had raised regarding this project earlier was that open space that runs uh, horizontally through the site. Um, is, is there going to be a public access easement that runs um, through the block or, or site two or through block, through that, <laughs> through phase 1B? That uh, that the public can use. Rob, just for clarification, are you referring to this? Yeah, east I, I seem to recall that came up as a a uh, previous staff suggestion, yeah, so which I thought was a good one. So if I could just zoom in a little bit here, because it's logical. You have this nice, you know, linear park, uh, which looks very nice, actually. So it's you know just logical that somehow there's a connection through site, you know, through that uh, 1B parcel. Yeah. So uh, my cursor here is circling around what we call block 11 today that has been approved and is going through building permit review. And as part of block 11, you can see there is that pedestrian trail to the yeah. north. Um, I think the idea for the plan for block 10 is that that pedestrian uh, walkway will continue so that um, Basically, Coronado Avenue, together with the neighborhood yeah. park, um, that that view corridor or axes will remain, that horizontal axis will okay. remain. And it will be prescribed as a, a public open space or public access easement? Uh, yeah, we'll reach that point when we um, look at the actual site development plan. Okay, okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, those are my questions. Thank you, Board Member Hom. Um, you may lower your hand. Um, yes, I just had a quick question about the, the changes in zoning. I think if I understood correctly, Alan said that the there would be, as part of the amendment, the zoning for 2022 would be applied moving forward to the project instead of the zoning regulations that were in place in 2015, correct? Yeah, so uh, what I was referring to there, Board Member Riza, is that um, uh, under California law, cities may enter into development agreements with developers, and the benefit for uh, the developer would basically be to lock in um, the rules and regulations um, at the time of the approval so that um, basically guarantees, uh, sets an expectation for um, 
you know, costs and expenditures and um, the, the rules that they would have to comply with. Now, in 2015, that, that was when the city had entered into a development agreement with um, Alameda Point Partners. With this amendment, we're clarifying is, well, um, for, for, for the amendments, um, the rules that would be in place would be the zone regulations as of today. Meaning if after development agreement, uh, uh, amendment is approved and there are new rules about other, other issues that are non-planning and zoning related that they would be applicable to, um, to the project. Does that make sense? Like for example, yeah, yeah we, we anticipate that there, in the last few years, there's been a lot of uh, law changes related to solid waste collection, composting, things like that. So um, that if, if there were to be a new city ordinance regarding those things, um, that that would apply. But that, well, you know, if the city, but that if the city were to change our building height limits, um, reducing them for some reason that the developer would have protections under the development agreement. And it only needs to comply, the developer only needs to comply with the regulations in place at this time of the amendment. Correct. Got Correct. it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Board Member Reza. Um, I have uh, two questions. Um, first one is in Exhibit 5, um, draft resolution, page two. Um, bullet point number B, it says up to 300,000 square feet of permitted condition and conditionally permitted non-residential uses. And bullet point number D, it states up to approximately 10 acres of parks and open space. So the word up to, um, gives me pause and I wanted to know, does that mean that the developers can develop substantially less commercial space or quote unquote non-residential space or less park and open space as long as it's up to that limit? Um, this is a question for staff. Yeah, I will. Uh... I will need to take a look at the resolution in further detail to see what we're. Okay, it's it just yeah. the wording of the resolution. It says up to 316 square feet. So under normal circumstances, as long as you stay under that, if I provide 100 square feet of retail, I feel I'm still in compliance with this resolution. At least that's based on my reading. Um, but we're, if we're saying that approximately 300, not up to, but simply stating. 350,000 square feet, then that has a complete different meaning than up to. And same yeah. goes with the open space. So just want to bring that to your, just a question. Uh, let's clarify that before we move on to the discussion. And um, second question for uh, for staff is, um, at some point, block 10, uh, block 10, both A and B still need to come back for design review, correct? Oh, correct. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. This is just setting the um, expectations for the type of uses, the um, density, um, and, 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 and um, yeah, basically that this is going to be a housing site going forward. The, the actual building, the design, the site plan will have to come back um, for um, in, individual by block development plan and design review. Understood. Thank you. 
um, I have no further questions. So now let's open up for public comment. Looks like we only have one person raising their hand. The first speaker will be Karen Bay. Good evening, President Ruiz, uh, members of the planning board and staff, um, <clears throat> and um, Site A developers. It's really good to be here tonight. Um, site A is the waterfront town center. And the retail is an important component and community benefit that will benefit Alameda Point residents, Alameda Point businesses, and like the parks and open space, all of Alameda. We have an exciting opportunity to design and create a great waterfront retail experience. And we've been waiting for this for 25 years. Accordingly, it's important to include the 60,000 square feet of retail shown in the Site A illustrative plan, which includes 50,000 square feet in Block 11, 10,000 square feet in Block 10B. It's important to memorialize uh, this in the development agreement and the related phasing plans. <clears throat> Furthermore, because we're giving up 600,000 square feet, of which 200 was specifically uh, called out as retail, it's important that the 360,000 square feet be detailed and memorialized and broken out in the development plan and phasing plan by the square footage of retail and the phasing and the square footage of commercial by type and by phasing. We really need to understand what we're getting in exchange for giving up the 600,000 square feet and it needs to be detailed uh, and memorialized in uh, the development plan and the phasing plans. Um, <clears throat> thank you very much. Thank you. Um, do we have any more public comments? No one else is raising their hand at this time. Okay, with that said, let's close the public comment section and open up for board discussions. Board member Hom? And you're on mute. Yeah, I was trying to, something popped up on my screen first. Thank you. Uh, um, you know, Karen Bay actually, um, raised a point that I was gonna make. So thank you, Karen, for raising it. Um, on one hand, I understand 60,000 square foot of retail might be ambitious for the plan and you know something has to give when you uh, increased amount of residential units. So I do understand that. Um, I do, however, agree that there should be in, in the development agreement, a differentiation of the land use rather than just lump together 360,000 square foot of these combination of uses. So I, I think that there should be a further delineation, especially of the retail use where there's a minimum square footage. It may not need to be 60,000, but the, if I understand the amendment, unless the development agreement does go into further detail, um, 
I, I think the furious land usage should be further differentiated because I know in that 360,000 also says hotels and other uses. And um, I appreciate that the area should be a, have a mixture of uses, but a little bit more detail and delineation of the different land uses, I think would be beneficial for the development agreement. So that's kind of my comment. Thank you, board member Hong. Any board member Curtis? Yes, thank you. Um, I I, I want to thank uh, Ms. Bay for her her comments on this. I, I think that a lot of time was put into it, and she was quite articulate in pointing out um, the advantages of having um, a better de definition of how the retail space is going to be used. And if I try to go any further, I don't do as good a job as my colleague, Mr. Hom, who pretty much stated it the way it, 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 it should be. I think that I agree that we should delineate the uses and the minimums of retail space and where they're going to go uh, in the development agreement, because I think that in the long run, it'll take away a lot of misunderstanding when plans are being made and they come back with actual designs. Um, this is that would not be the time to discuss it. If if the if the actual spaces, not in terms of, of precise numbers, but in terms of minimum numbers, were delineated, I think that um, it'll solve a lot of confusion going forward. Um, but I can't add anything more than Mr. Hom did because he did a good job on that. And so did so did Ms. Bay. Thank you. Thank you, Board Member Curtis. Any other board comments? Okay. Um, thank you, staff, for the presentation and Ms. Bay for your comments. Um, I understand that um, there's a need to increase housing, and and I also understand that um, we don't want to over restrict what the developers can or cannot do. At the same time, I do see a point that we need more. We need more accountability in the development agreement and within each categories, uh, better clear delineate what each parcel is um, obligated to provide so that the placement of it and, the, um, and there's an expectation of what the developer, developer needs to provide. And also to avoid future confusion as a board member Ham and board member Curtis had already mentioned. Um, and I'm more concerned about um, our initial goal of strike, striving for job housing balance. And I feel like all our commercial spaces are um, diminished in this proposal. I understand that retail is um, experiencing a very difficult time right now. And we see a lot of vacant storefronts, even right in the, um, the target shopping center on the landing, I believe. Um, so they're just, you know, I was just right there yesterday and there were a lot of vacant storefront. So I understand that we don't want to overburden the developer by, you know, forcing a commitment on them. At the same time, we, we should, can we um, add a condition to have staff and the developer work out each categories and within which gives some flexibility Yeah, so uh, board member Ruiz, or Chair Ruiz, um, 
I think just go back to your question about the resolution. I, I had a chance to take a look at it. What that resolution is, is it's a resolution recommending the city council approve the development agreement. So as a kind of a higher level document, it that's why it's written that the plan allows up to this number of residential units, up to this amount of um, commercial development. But that actual resolution isn't binding on the actual, uh, what, what gets developed. In fact, it actually refers back to the development plan. So I think the questions that you have that this board has about the amount of commercial development um, is something that, you know, if you feel comfortable with the development plan as proposed, um, with how how the commercial units are being uh, replaced with residential units, then that would be the plan in front of you. If you want to make, make changes, then I would suggest changes would be made through development plan. But the one thing that um, I, I do need, staff needs to emphasize is that um, in our housing element, we are counting on the um, approximately 1,400 units at Alameda Point um, to achieve that number um, we we have to add the 600 and approximately 610 units at site A. And um, there's been a lot of meetings with the developer on how we can achieve that housing goal on the site. And, um, um, and the result would be to um, basically give up some of that commercial retail on block 10, um, in exchange for the residential units. So I think if if you'd like to see commercial units preserved uh, or commercial square footage preserved now, then there might have to be a con conversation about how that affects the unit count and whether we're also willing to give up on, on the unit count. Keeping in mind that it's the residential unit count that is necessary to support the major infrastructure um, so, um, investments and all that. Yeah, and, I, I and I would also like to defer to um, Stephanie and Jessica to see if they have comments or, so or I'm sure this conversation has had had been had um, with Andrew Thomas, but. Yeah, and I want to acknowledge um, board member Curtis and board member Hum, I see your hands, um, but just kind of let me wrap up this convert this point first. So with that said, if you look at same in the same um, same page on, on um, exhibit five, bullet point number A, it says approximately 1300 residential units. So can we amend this to say approximately 360,000 square feet? Same thing, approximately, not up to, but just say approximately. So because I, I assume, and, and um, Stephanie can correct me if this is not, I assume these numbers are pulled from the development plan, right? right. Yes, Ms. Teresa, that's correct. Right, so if they're pulled from the development plan, rather than saying up to, I would get, I, I feel more comfortable if that's changed to simply approximately and remove the word up to. Um, board member Curtis. Thank you. I, I, I agree with you, uh, your, your comments, Teresa. The, 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 my concern is that, that the number of square feet of commercial that's put in into the um, development agreement 
should be a realistic number. In other words, if you say up to this amount of money and you find out you're building houses and you're not going to have that amount of money, then or that amount of square footage, then you've got a problem. What what you need to put into the plan is okay, if we build the maximum number of houses we want to build, how many square feet are left that we can use for commercial and retail um, use? And that way there's no misunderstanding from anybody on what it is. You know, you've got a pretty good idea of how much land you need to build the units that you're projecting. So to say up to doesn't really tell you anything, but you could say that a minimum of this number of square footage feet, and that minimum equates to a total build up, a build out. So that, it, that at least if you go the other way, you're gonna have more, but you certainly aren't gonna disappoint anybody with having less. And it makes planning for everybody, the city in its economic forecast, the developer and what they wanna do. And it creates, a, a, it, it really solves a lot of problems on the front end that you might have on the back end. If I, if I may offer just one more thought, I think the, the reason why the, there's language that provides like a ceiling, like up to in this case, is also for um, sequel clearance issues. So I assume that if we say approximately that that might, um, that might kind of open the door for more than this 365,000 in and potentially raise a sequel issue. I think that that's usually why um, for for development capacity, it's also written as 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 a cap, um, so that it stays within the um, environmental clearance that we've done for the for the project site. So just something else we could think of. Thank you, um, Board Member Hong. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm not sure the exact way to res resolve this, but. Um, you know, on one hand, I understand what Alan is saying, the development agreement very often does defer to the approved entitlement um, plan for guidance as far as what the lot land use is. So that I'm fine with. However, then what I would be looking for in the development plan, and I don't see it, but then I could be missing it. Is there a table that indicates the square footage and number of units of these various uses that is basically the development plan that you mentioned, Alan. Is there a page number? I'm kind of flipping through the um, pages right now to maybe see where the breakdown of commercial square footage and number of units is indicated. And right think, now I'm not seeing it. Yeah, it's still loading on my screen, but um, I believe page nine provides the okay, uh, nine. breakdown okay. of, I know that does for the residential unit breakdown. Where does but, it state the amount of planned uh, commercial. commercial? Yeah, because somewhere in the development plans, it should indicate to me the amount of planned commercial. I mean, it, I see the, you know, the colored areas that indicate the commercial designations and where retail is on the ground floor with residential above, but I don't, unless I'm missing it someplace, I don't see where the commercial square footage is called out. And that I think would be helpful. Yeah, the land use diagram is on page 11. Page 11. Yeah, so let me, let me bring that up. 
Yeah, I don't see any square footages. Oh, here it is. Here I see like block three has seventy thousand, and then there's thirty-eight thousand on block one B. What about the mixed? Okay, I see ten thousand five hundred of retail on on ten B. Is that? Yeah. Let me share my screen here. And I could probably use some help walking through this, um, Stephanie, if you're or Jessica. I, I do see like on block 10B and 11 that 11 says 50,000 square foot of retail and 10B says 10,500. So when if I look at this plan, I would say, okay, there's, there's a proposal for 60,500 square foot of retail on those two blocks. And then there's a hotel proposal block four. So are those square footages not updated? Mr. Hom, looking at, and hopefully this, this can be helpful, block nine has approximately 10,000 square feet of, of ground floor retail that's fully developed. It's currently available for lease. Block 10B, is contemplated to have 10,500 square feet of retail. Mm -hmm. Block 11, which will be under construction this summer, has approximately 15,000 square feet of ground floor retail. So between the three, really as you progress along West Atlantic towards Seaplane Lagoon, there's approximately 35,000 square feet of ground floor retail between blocks 9, 10B, Okay. And 11. So does that, does that mean block 11 it needs to be revised to show 15,000 instead of the 50,000? 50, 50, My understanding is that the current building permits are contemplating 15,000 as opposed to 50,000. Okay. So it sounds like there needs to be an amendment to sheet nine to reflect what's currently proposed or sheet 11 or whatever that sheet is, sorry. Yeah, if that's the case, I think we need to um, correct this diagram. Yeah. So, I mean, that's helpful that there's proposal for 30,000 plus square foot along um, along um, West Atlantic. And that's kind of where retail makes a lot of sense there along those, that block, but it's, Sounds like the, that diagram doesn't reflect what the current proposal is. And anyway, my main comment, uh, Alan, is I don't have a problem with referencing the development, um, referencing the de approved development plans um, in the development agreement for the breakdown of units and commercial, but then that development plan needs to clearly di differentiate those square footages. It'd be ideal if there's like a table that kind of summarizes the, the proposed land use picture. Yes, I, I agree. Thank you, Board Member Hom. Board Member Ariza. Um, thank you. Thank you for all your comments. Um, I agree that it's better to have clarity on where the commercial uses are going to be. And I assume that's just referring to the first floor of these developments in the blocks 9, 10, and 11, correct? Uh, 
Yes, block, is, is block that, 11 is a vertical mixed-use configuration and sounds like what's proposed for block 10B is the same. So uh, ground, uh, with ground floor commercial. Right, okay. And then I just wanted to submit if the, or to propose if a solution for the wording of the up to area would be to also include up to a certain area and not less than a certain area. Because I understand the comment that Teresa has about how vague it can be just saying up to, uh, you know, the 360,000 square feet of retail. But could we include after that not less than to establish kind of a minimum as well? It's a question. Yeah. Um May, may I offer a board, maybe a, just a different suggestion looking at this diagram? Um, while we're talking, I'm trying to sum up all of the numbers here and also uh, factor in the correction to uh, block 11 here from 50 to 15. Um, I, I think it's a given that if we want, if the city wants to see more residential development, that um, it would be unlikely that we would be able to maintain the original plan for what was it 365,000 square feet of commercial um, and then looking at the development plan here it seems like you know within the individual blocks it at most what we would see would be a vertical mixed use with ground floor with some ground floor retail and then outside of that we have the um, sort of the theater uh, public venue space over to the far left uh, we see a block under block four for mixed use possible retail or hotel. And then we have the remaining blocks, uh, 1B and the commercial block three that would, that is currently reserved for commercial. So I guess the first question for the board would be, one, are you okay with this amount of commercial use? I mean, it's still a significant amount. I mean, just doing the quick numbers, we're close to 200,000 square feet. So we probably lost a third of the original um, commercial square footage um, for, for more housing units and more affordable. So I, I think that's, I, I would ask that the, the board to weigh in on, on that question and maybe start there. But Alan, the original agreement was 600,000. They are coming back down to 360. And the issue at hand is that you said up to 360 and that number is pulled from this development plan. However, the data for that um, that commercial slash, that's to say non-residential use, is nowhere to be found on this plan. We have to manually add the numbers together, and yet the numbers for block nine is not on here. And when we added it together, it doesn't match the 360. So at the moment, from my seat, I don't know what we are trying to approve because the information is not there. And that I see that as an issue, right? right. If, if, if that number, if, if you said it's 360 uh, and it's pulled from here, where, where is it, right? We all talk about that number and it's, I'm okay. I'm okay of letting, saying, accepting that up to is tied to the environmental impact report. And I, I understand that. Um, so I'm willing to let that go if that data is somewhere shown in this set of 
this development plan, but they are not. Yeah, I, I think one option might be if you, I mean, we could just a couple of ways. One, we can we can go back, verify the numbers and bring, bring those numbers back um, to the satisfaction of the board. And then you get a clear, you would get a very clear picture of which block has how many, what square footage, and, and we would approve it that way. The other approach could be that, hey, if you're comfortable with the amount of general amount of commercial square footage, we can then amend this plan, just provide the details um, and, uh, and just have, it, have, have a table in the development plan for, for your, um, uh, when, when we, well, this is not going back to the uh, city council. So I'm just kind of thinking out loud the, the options that you have, but um, it could be, you know, if, if it sounds like you're uncomfortable with the details, <laughs> one way of handling it would also be to, if you are uh, okay with the residential number count and you just want clear staff to clarify the, what, what all the remaining commercial would add up to, you can also condition it so that we, uh, the final version of the plan at staff level, we would, we would add a, add a table in. But otherwise, we could also just go back, talk about any changes you want to see. If you want more commercial, less residential, we would have to go back um, and talk to the talk to the applicant about. Thank you, um, Board Member Curtis. We've been talking about this now for twenty five minutes, and the last time that we talked about reducing the commercial, we talked about it for almost an hour, and what what. What we're trying to do is to, to get a fix on a plan that you've got that says, okay, these are the number of units. The write-up says these are the number of units we're going to do for this project under three phases. So the question is, given those units, what is the commercial amount of property, the commercial and retail? It's, it's a number. And that number should be put down, and that number should not, should not be changed unless you they, that, that somebody's coming back and they say they want more units. And then it becomes a whole new issue with another amendment. But for this amendment, we should state this is the number of units. This is the number of commercial. This is the number of square foot of commercial and re and uh, and uh, retail, and live with it. Otherwise, it's 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 a moving target, and we keep coming back with different numbers. And this is what we're trying to prevent. And this is why so much time is being put into this. I'm off my soapbox. Thank you, Board Member Curtis. Board Member Ham. Yeah, I, I just completely echo what Board Member Ruiz and Board Member Curtis is mentioning. Um, you know, I'm totally supportive of having the number of units being proposed, and I totally understand the original amount of retail needs to give and maybe too ambitious from a market standpoint. However, it's not clear what this new development plan is proposing as far as the breakdown of units and retail and other uses. So I, I would, my recommendation is unfortunately to have this come back to us with all of, all of that clarified. So we understand exactly what the development agreement amendment um, entails. Uh, I'm totally supportive of seeing 1400 plus units 
in this area. I think the commercial retail is an important component that should be spelled out because the way it's, as it's currently written, if it's not tied down, you know, then the commercial could disappear, you know. Um, and, you know, and then also a knowledge that Black Block 9 has commercial, and right now it doesn't indicate that. You know? So, yeah, I would, I guess my motion, uh, if I can offer a motion, uh, you know, President Ruiz is to um, have this item come back with a clarification of the breakdown in residential units and the other land uses. So are you making a motion right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So well, please, yeah. So your motion is to continue? Or, yeah, continue. Yeah, continue and return with uh, further information um, okay. in the development uh, agreement or in the development plan that, break, that has the land use breakdown. Before we do, yes. For uh, yeah, my staff asked a quick question. Um, so, um, I understand, yes, the development definitely needs to spell out the commercial square footage. So I apologize, that's uh, not clear on the plans. Um, but with that, um, does is the board, um, is the board uh, amenable to the configuration that you're seeing on the plan? Like I just, what I wanna get at is whether the board thinks that no, the configuration is for commercial isn't, well laid out you what you'd want you'd want one type of commercial on this block and this you know maybe a little bit more of it on that block um it, i just want to gauge whether you your your comments um are that extensive and then second thing is um i, I would like the applicant to have an opportunity to to speak to that issue if possible and and i agree um board member curtis i saw your hand but give me a sec um before we i know right now we have a motion on the table to continue um i can i think the main issue i from what i gather i think the board is in general generally is in support of the additional units the question is what's the residual commercial yes. use and we the board right now cannot get a firm answer from the documents at, at hand um, obviously, the staff report, the resolutions all says 360,000, but yet the numbers on the plans don't add up to that or anywhere near that. So the question for the applicant is, do you have that number at hand? Do you know what that number is? Perhaps we can just abandon this plan in and move the project forward. If Um, if I may, <clears throat> I'm just uh, looking at the plan here, and I think what's missing is some of the assumptions of non-residential square footage associated with the hotel and the theater. Um, we do have a phasing plan that details out the square footage parcel by parcel, so I think it would be wise, Alan, if, if the board tonight wants further clarification that we share that with them. Um, by way of example, the hotel would be approximately 100 square feet, and that's obviously not, not shown here on, on the, the land use plan. So I'm, I'm not sure how, how to proceed with the motion or how you, know, you, you want to vote. The information is there. The 360,000 square feet number, um, 
I think is, is a bit high. It's probably closer to 300. Mm -hmm. um, so the, certainly the information is there and we're happy to provide all the clarification on paper. Thank you. Board Member Curtis, thank you for your patience. Thank you. I think that this, this whole item can be resolved. Nobody is saying that you should reduce the square footage of, of uh, commercial or increase the square footage of commercial. What we're saying is what is the square footage of commercial? Mm -hmm. And I think what's important is a schedule to the, um, the um, amended agreement saying by block, this is what is anticipated as the square footage of commercial. And once that's defined, then, then the only issue is if that's reduced substantially or, or there's a change, then there has to be a modification to the amendment in writing. But by having this clarified on the front end, I think it will, it will absolve a lot of discussion uh, um, in the future. And it's a simple schedule. It just says, this is the block and this is the square footage. It doesn't have to define what's commercial, what is re retail. I mean, what's uh, yeah, what's commercial, what's retail, what's theater? Just what is that particular category for each one of the blocks, and reserve for that. That gives you the flexibility, and it it'll, and and assuages any of the fears that anybody has that we're going to do away with commercial. And that would be my recommendation. Thank you, Board Member Curtis. So right now we have a motion at hand to continue this. Until further information, do I have a second? I'll second the motion. Okay. Um, Alan, would you mind roll calling the votes? Uh, sure. Is it possible that we um, try to? Uh, oh no, never mind. I I think we have it. Sorry. Um, yes, roll call vote. Um, Board Member Ariza. Yes, I second. Board Member Curtis. Aye. Board Member Hom? Aye. And um, Chair Ruiz? Aye. Okay, so we will uh, bring this back and um, clear up clear up the development plan and have the, a table of uses in here with the square footages. Thank you. And it looks, uh, before we close this item, it appears that um, the applicant has her hand raised. Ms. Murphy? Yes, yeah, thank you so much. Um, we are planning to go to city council with our uh, DDA amendment in the beginning of September. And I think I understand from discussions with Mr. Thomas that the planning board does not meet in, in August. Is that true? That's correct. Is there a way for us to bring this clarification forward to you all in August so that we can stay on track for our city council meeting um it's critical path to us getting land conveyance and and starting this starting this project and putting shovels in the ground or maybe um or member curtis this is a question uh for Ms. Shen. Can can if if the, the revised if the revised um, amendment is sent out, can the board approve it by unanimous consent? You mean without holding a meeting? Right, just a unanimous consent by the board members voting unanimously on that particular item. 
I'm not sure. Way they oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure that I understand how it would be presented to the board. The board will be in recess in August. Right. Right, but but if, if somebody were to to make a motion and then have that motion voted on via via email, it's the same as you would do with a corporate board without a meeting. Is to have an issue without a meeting, have the board discuss, uh, have the board vote on the issue, and they would their vote would count as a unanimous consent without a meeting. Well, we would still need to provide, uh, in you know, the opportunity for the public to comment, um, even on consent items. That's um, something that we'd be required to do. So I don't believe we could do this by email. Well, that's too bad because this is this is an important issue and it, it should not be rubber stamped as it is the way it is. So that's my best shot. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Yen. Board member Hom. Yeah, I guess my question, sorry, try to like <laughs> put my hand up and back down. Uh, question for the applicant is that pending uh, building permit that you're saying is very timely or whatever that transaction is, is that dependent on um, the amendment of this development agreement or is if that project moves forward, is that basically consistent with uh, what is being proposed? Because technically right now, you know, it says up to, and so if you're, if you're talking about block 11, you know, and you're now proposing just 15,000, I guess that's technically you're in compliance. I'm understanding that. I'm just trying to, just like board member uh, Curtis, trying to find a solution for you to be able to move forward. But we're not talking about block 11 though. We're talking block 11 for building permit. Oh, we're talking I, I, about land, land conveyance, right? Of block 10. Is that, is that what? We're yeah, we're talking about the DDA for all of phase one B and two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. With, and and I apologize because I'm not as familiar, obviously, with with due procedure um, for the board. But would it make sense to clarify the square footages right now on this call as opposed to calling a new meeting? Is it possible to reverse the motion, or is it set in stone? That's a question for um, city attorney. Uh, I think there could be um, maybe a motion to reconsider. Um, if there's further discussion to be had, we could um, reconsider the prior motion and, and continue the, the conversation. Why don't we start talking and let me look up procedurally exactly what we'll need to do. Oh. since. We haven't adjourned yet. I think it's possible. Um, I got an idea. Um, Board Member Curtis. What would what what do you say that that we make a condition that the schedule we're asking for be part and parcel to the the agreement that we approve tonight? Because I'm we're we're not negotiating what the square footage is. What we're asking for is a commitment to what the square footage is, is going to be based upon the number of units that they have. 
And by doing it that way, what you've done is you've got a schedule that's in there that when they come back with a, with, with a, a detailed development plan, you've got something to compare that plan to with the schedule that's in the, in the, um, in, in the, the document that we're approving, the resolution. And that would solve the thing. We're not asking, we're not, we really, I really don't care what the square footage is. I care that the square footage stays what they commit to at this time without having to negotiate it again and again and again. And that, that I think would be solved by just adding that schedule as a condition to the, um, so the issue is, thank you, board member Curtis. Um, and I did during the, the, the discussion period, I did ask the applicant if they know what the non-residential square footage is, and they don't, right? If you have that information, otherwise I would have put that on as a condition saying, add that note onto this development plan, and then we can move on with the the motion, the issue at hand is they were not even clear what they have in the plan. Miss um, Murphy? Hi there, yeah. We we do have square footages associated with each block. They're not um, represented clearly, obviously, on this land use plan. I have a table that's um, up on my computer right now that shows it. I'd, I'd be happy to formalize that table and send it send it to you all or to provide it to Mr. Tai to include in the clarification he sends after. Um, so, so what is the total um, non-residential? So I have a block by block. So if you bear with me here for two minutes, I will add them up for you. Okay. So assuming we'll get the um, square footages by block, um, we could just record them as part of the record. And then that way the planning board may um, approve the development plan with a condition that staff work with the applicant to update this land use diagram to um, memorialize those square footages. And include a table. You know, I, I would be fine with that if it can be clarified tonight, because uh, I'm in the same camp as Board Member Curtis. Is to me is not the issue that there's too much or too little retail, or is okay. just that it's the plan is just not clear right now. So, adding up um, the blocks, and I'll just go through which which blocks those are for clarity. So I'll just start in phase one with block nine. Um, that has 10,000 square feet of retail. Block uh, 10B is slated for 10,500. Block 11, 15,000. And then going into phase three, um, we have block 1B. So that's showing us 38,000 commercial. Um, block three is 70. Uh, block four, we've got 6,500 um, square feet of retail and approximately 100,000 square foot hotel. 
Uh, what, what was the hotel, Jessica? 100,000. 100. And then up at the top left, block 12A, 12B, and 13 is contemplated as a theater that's approximately 53,000. Uh, and so the total summation of all of those is 303,000 square feet. Thank you very much. I, I, I thank you. I, oh, I guess I should. Through Chair Ruiz. Board member, board member Curtis. Well, one quick question. The 300 plus thousand square feet for two and three, what is the breakdown between phase two and phase three? There's no um, commercial in phase two. Phase 1B has the 10,500 square feet on block 10B. And then phase three is, is the remainder. Block nine and 11 are on phase 1A. Do you want me to restate that in order? <laughs> I know. No, no, you're good. It's, have it so, done. Yeah. There, there is no commercial in phase two. Well, actually, sorry, I should revise that. The theater is technically part of phase two. So the 53,000 square feet of, of theater is part of phase two. Okay. Well, remember. If, if that's in a schedule, then I think it complies then with what I think everybody's looking for. Um, thank you, board member Curtis, board member Hom. Yeah, I guess as the maker of the first motion, I think, and, I'll, and the city attorney could confirm, but uh, I believe I would be the one that needs to make the motion to resend the resolution. Um, board member Hom, anyone who voted um, in the majority oh, of okay. the motion that you made can make a motion to reconsider. Um, then the board would vote on that motion to reconsider. And then the original matter would be before you. So you okay. go to another member okay. and be able to make a motion. Okay, thank you. I, I guess I'll offer uh, a motion to resend uh, the motion that we previously just passed. Or actually a motion to reconsider. The a motion to reconsider, yeah. I'll second it. Alan, could you please roll call? Sure. Board member Ariza? Aye. Uh, Curtis? Aye. Hong? Aye. Ruiz? Aye. And that motion passes. Do we have a second motion with a condition? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll make the motion to approve the amendment to the development agreement and approve the the resolutions for the amendment to the development plan also uh, with the stipulation that the, uh, the, I guess the sheet 11 land use diagram is amended to reflect the retail square footage as, as uh, the applicant just stated tonight of uh, totaling about 303,000 square foot. Um, I'm also amenable to, you know, for the purpose of CEQA, you know, saying up to 360, but it'd be 
good to state for the time being a minimum so that anything drops below say 300,000 would need an amendment. But I'm open on how we can wordsmith that second piece, but I think there should be some, some state at minimum. Thank you, Board Member Ham. Do we have a second? I I second, but we need to. Uh, board Member Ham, would you add the language with freezing the um, freezing the rules for the development so that they the the development is done under the rules of the date that this is approved? The language that Alan had originally requested at the beginning of the meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for. Um, for reminding me of that. Yeah, I'll add that as an additional language to the motion. So that'd be a clarification in the development agreement that um, it memorializes the planning and zoning regulations as of the council approval of the DA amendment. Yeah, and, and then to, to update this land use diagram and any other sheets that are applicable to reflect what right. was indicated by the applicant tonight. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Alan, would you mind roll call the votes? Yes. Board Member Riza? Aye. Curtis? Aye. Hom? Aye. And Ruiz? Aye. And that motion passes. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we have tabled, um, we continued item 7B. Um, oh, Board Member Ruiz? Yes. Are we taking separate votes on the two resolutions? Do we or need separate do we votes? Need separate, I think we should take uh, two separate roll call votes. Oh, yeah, that's okay. true. I forgot. Because so, it's two separate I resolutions. jumped ahead and made the motion before we voted on the first one. So the second would be for recommendation to the council on the um, uh, approval of the DA amendment. So I'll do a roll call vote for that. Um, board member Ariza? Aye. Curtis? Aye. Tom? Aye. And Ruiz? Aye. And that motion also passes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, item 7B has been um, continued. Um, we have no Meeting minutes to approve now. Staff communication. That, uh, item number nine A. Uh, yes, uh, just routine um, approvals at staff level. If you let me know if you have any questions or would like to call for review any item. Board member Ham, is your hand still? Oh, <laughs> thank you. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Item number 9B, oral reports. So uh, September, we anticipate to be fairly busy. Um, we have a number of items that will be uh, teed up and uh, August is uh, your summer recess. Um, in September, we um, anticipate already having comments back from HCD on the housing element update. Um, we've talked to HCD staff and has gotten um, a pretty good preview of um, their comments. So um, I think overall we are in good shape. Um, and then in September, um, 
there are also a number of non uh, housing ele element related items that will be coming before you. Um, things include um, active transportation plan review. Um, we may have a couple projects coming before the board. So it'll be a busy fall. Thank you. Um, now let's move on to item number 10, written communications. Um, there is a letter from Indy. Does anybody have comments on that? Do I need to open for public comments or no? No, just acknowledge the no, written communication. The from the written communication. Correct. Thank you. Now let's move on to agenda item 11, board communications. Board members may ask a question for clarification, make a brief announcement, or make brief report on his or her activities. In addition, the board may provide a referral to staff or other resources for factual information, request staff to report back to the body at a subsequent meeting concerning a city matter or through chair, direct staff to place a request to agendize matter of business on future agenda. Do we have any board communications? Board Member Hong? Yeah, just a, a quick announcement. Uh, since we're having recess in August, the uh, APA California State Conference is coming up on October 1st through the 4th. Uh, it's gonna be held in Anaheim. It'll be the first in-person conference in several years now. Uh, there, there are, uh, there's a lot of sessions I think are beneficial to planning commissioners, uh, but there's also targeted sessions for planning commissioners. And I believe those are scheduled more for like Saturday and Sunday. So the, the registration rate for planning commissioners is the same as for APA members. So you don't have to be a member of APA. So I just wanted to announce that. And, um, you know, I can provide staff um, the link to the registration page or just more information about the conference for those who are interested. Thank you, board member Hom. And I believe in the past, didn't, didn't you send that to us last year too? And I thought the city was trying to organize and get a few people to attend. Yeah, the last two years, the conference has been virtual because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So um, I believe a couple of board members did attend the virtual conference. Okay. You know, oh, I should also mention that there's also a virtual option too, where um, there's a select number of sessions that will be offered kind of like as hybrid sessions where, where people can uh, log in and view the session virtually by Zoom. So there's two options in person or a more limited virtual conference. Thank you for sharing. Board member Curtis. We, we went to this in, uh, I guess, three years ago. Um, it, it was in Monterey. And I'll tell you that uh, there was a lot to be gained in talking to other planning board members and the information that was given. And I, I strongly recommend any new people or people who haven't been to that, um, it, it look at least the planning board portions because it provides a lot of good information. Thank you. Thank you. I think board member Curtis is referring to uh, another planning commissioners um, training se seminar, which is right. a separate series. But I, either way, um, uh, I, I don't know if there is another one coming up, uh, but if 
if there are, I will share that information with the board. And then related to the Cal APA conference, if any board member is interested, you can let me know and we can help you with registration. Staff is also looking at that conference. It's once a year. Thank you. And um, I do, I also have a comment and um, Alan, I think I've mentioned this before, time and time again, we have an application that comes in where it's incomplete or there's information missing and we ask to be continued. And subsequently we were, you know, slammed with with a schedule. We're going to the council, we're in critical paths, et cetera. So we had asked, at least I know I've asked before, to allow time for us to review thoroughly and allow time for, in case the project needs to be continued and so that we're not forced to make a decision right on the spot, like what happened today. And this just kind of a reminder to please work with the applicants so that they can submit their application early and also inform them that you, you know, they need to allow for reset for the schedule and if they have missing information that we clearly ask them, where's the data? What are the numbers they didn't know? And so then uh, kind of, so that we're not back on the, oh no, we are holding up the project. So that's what I asked. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree and, and I apologize. This it's actually very basic information to have on the development plan. So I don't know why why that is missing. Um, and yeah. um, if if Andrew Thomas was here, he could probably have provided that information I on the spot. But but uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a good comment. We we are trying to be more much more careful. I mean, there there are a lot of details, but yeah, this is very fundamental to the discussion, and there's no excuse for it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um any other board communications? Seeing none, let's move to oral communications. Anyone may address the board on a topic not on the agenda under this item by submitting a speaker's information slip subject to the three minute time limit. Do we have any uh, oral communications from the public? Currently, no one is raising their hand. Okay, seeing none, um, the meeting is adjourned. Have a great summer. Welcome, board member Riza, and see you in September. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for well, working welcome. with us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Nice Take meeting. Nice, nice meeting you all. And this was a great experience. <laughs> Learn, we'll learning experience. Hopefully, we'll meet in person at some time in the future. Yep. We need yeah, to I agree. <laughs> yeah, we need to all go out. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye, Bye everyone. The summer, everyone. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Selena. You. Bye.